to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. I hope everybody's doing well. I am one of your hosts. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the amazing conferenced out Yvonne Brandenburg. <laughs> You've been busy, lady. Uh, I know. I, it, well, <laughs> and I was joking because I just got back from Southwest Veterinary Symposium, which this is the first time I'd been there and it was really good. Um, I hear except that for the fact is really good. Yeah. Except for the fact that it's in like Texas um, and it was a hundred degrees and 88% humidity. Other than that, it was great. <laughs> My kind of weather where you have to like uh, breathe through gills. Oh no. I got home and it was a, it was a chilly 70 degrees and then the next day it was 60 something and raining. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I can't, I can't do the hot. I, I'm so over it. <laughs> we, yeah. I mean, it was hot here the week before. And so I was really sad that I was missing the first cool off of the season because it's been just so hot here. And um, with the rain and stuff, like it, it's helping with all the smoke fire the fire smoke yeah and hopefully the rain is helping with the fires so yeah um last couple of weeks have been harsh here but yeah it's been uh it's been insane and yeah. october is um october is just as crazy no october is pretty bad but i'm very excited because november and december seem pretty chill for me at this point right <laughs> but yeah. like but like not this week, thank God, because I'm pretty sure I got a cold. Like today, I'm I'm feeling it. Yeah. But the following weekend, I go to Colorado. Um, well, actually, during the week, I go back down to the Bay Area, um, to go train. Then I go to Colorado for the weekend, which is really cool because it's the Colorado um, Vet Tech and Assistance Association. I think is I, I'm pretty sure that's what their initials are. Um, they're doing a conference, which will be really cool. So I get to go for that. Then I come home and then what the next week, I think the next week we fly out to Texas again Yeah. for Hive, which will be really fun. I'm super looking forward to that. Just because um, you get to see me. I know. Yeah. I, know. I get to see you <laughs> and, and um, another one of my friends will be, in, we, we got an Airbnb, so it'll be super cool. And we get to lecture together, which is really exciting. So if you're in the Texas area, because it's what, Austin? Yeah, it's, it's Austin. Austin. Right? I'll try to remember to bring my Vets Against Insanity game. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 If you don't, just tell me and I can bring mine because that, that would be really fun. Mine's never been um, open. So let me let me try to remember <laughs> to bring mine. <laughs> right. Um. So then it's five. And then I think I come home and then I think I like the next week. I go back down to the Bay Area, I think. I don't know, dude. It's like, I looked at the calendar and I counted in October and I think I'm literally home for 13 days out of the month, which 
again, November and December will be great because mm-hmm. I can just actually be home. <laughs> yeah. Um, which will be, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I, don't yeah. get me wrong. That relatively new home of conference. yours that you would love to like <laughs> be in. <laughs> You're right. Spend some time with my husband. What? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love going to the conferences and seeing everybody and geeking out. I'm believe it or not, I am an introvert. So they are draining. I'm always mm-hmm. just like, come back a little drained. Um, but the one thing about November, that's really exciting is we talked about it last episode. November is the first official internal medicine for vet techs, virtual conference, boop, boop. put it on your calendars, November, Sunday, November 12th. 12th. Yep. We're going to do eight hours of, um, it's pending. <laughs> it, hopefully we get it all set and it's good. Um, it should be eight hours of race approved CE, which is exciting. We have some really cool speakers that are going to be there. Yeah. So we have, we have Tabitha Kusera who's trips and chatter, and she also does tales from a vet tech podcast. Um, she has, she's a VTS in behavior. So she's going to do some behavior stuff for us for the lecture. We have Laura Jones, Ms. Laura Jones. Uh, she is a VTS in internal medicine out of the UK. Um, her website's amazing. You'll see us like link to it a couple times in our podcast group. Um, yeah. So Laura Jones, uh, veterinary internal medicine, nursing.com. And she's, she's wicked smart. <laughs> like she's, she's so smart. So smart. So we're excited. She's going to do, she's going to do a lecture for us. Uh, Christine Weaver, who has her VTS in neuro, super smart. She's going to do a lecture for us. Kristen Freitas, VTS in ECC is doing a lecture. Plus she's going to do like a co-lecture with me. Um, one of my, one of my coworkers, uh, she does a bunch of lecturing. She is going to be doing her um, copper hepatopathy again for us, which will be really cool. And I'll, I'll be doing that with her. And then Jordan has a lecture and then I have a lecture. So yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be super exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. And it's the first one. Um, so I'm sure <laughs> that it will be a learning curve for both Jordan and I on how to do a conference. Yep. <laughs> um, we're looking for sponsors. So like, if you know someone like, um, who might be interested in doing a, you know, sponsoring the conference, that would be amazing. You can always send that to sponsor at internal medicine for Um, and one of us will reach out to you about that. Uh, let's see in October, we have our monthly CE. We did have to push that back a week. So if you did register or were thinking about registering for it, it's going to be on Saturday, October 21st. And the only reason for that is just because of all the conferences that Mm -hmm. I will be doing in October and the traveling. Um, I wasn't available the, the weekend before. And so we just, instead of having poor Jordan do it by herself. We said, let's do it the following week. It'll be, I mean, I can do it by myself. It'll just be, that's also the day that you're flying to Texas and I'm prepping to fly to Texas. So yeah. Yeah. So we were like, you know, let's, let's be kind to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, it's October. Like there's so many things in October. 
it's crazy. Yeah. Like I, I feel very like all over the place on this because it, October is like a big month, but it is vet tech appreciation week in October, um, which one, it'll be our anniversary four years, baby. Can't believe it's been four years. And, um, the other huge thing about vet tech week, love Huvet. you know, we, we've partnered with her and she has amazing stuff, amazing stuff. Um, she is doing some vet tech week bundles and we wanted to talk about it because it's almost vet tech week. Um, Time to start prepping if, for, yeah. for these purchases. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you haven't already prepped for these purchases, like woo, get, get on the ball. But um, she's doing these really cool bundles um, that like, especially if you're in management or your clinic wants to get stuff for, for everybody, like this is, this is one of those great things. Um, so there's, there's treat your techs or split it up group bundles, which is really cool. Um, and she's going to be, um, offering them. It's like 20 to 25% off of like the normal price, which is really cool. Um, and then there's stickers. We've got stickers. We love them. Um, she also does a thing where if you want to get bulk stickers, so like if you want to get the entire hospital, some stickers, mm -hmm. you can look at them. They're 30 to 50% off, which is awesome. So definitely check out lovehuvet.com, which is L O V E H U V E T.com. And make sure to order by October 11th, um, to get your goodies in time for vet tech week. Uh, and don't we have a discount code for, yeah, for so Miss yeah, Love I, you vet? yeah, so we have a discount code IMFVT10 to take an additional 10% off. Now, I don't know if that applies to already discounted things, but, <laughs> but you can try it. Yeah. May as well try and it. And that's IMFVT as in internal medicine for vet techs, 10 to get an additional 10% off at lovefeedvet.com. <laughs> yeah. So definitely check out her stuff. Her stuff's amazing. It's just so many cool things. Like I know Jordan, you have like her shirts and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, it's definitely super cool. Uh, Wow. That was a ton of housekeeping. It was. It's way more than normal. <laughs> way more than normal. Yeah. Uh, Anything else? I don't need to talk about. I don't think so. I think we touched everything. All right. Whew. Good lord. All right. Um. Now with my cold induced head. <laughs> yep. We're gonna discuss some acromegaly. <laughs> turn it over to Jordan to be smart. I know. Well, I mean, truly, this in. probably should have been a disorder that you did just because it's more prevalent in cats. Spoiler alert. But like, it's, it's a cat. Which is, I mean, I've also seen it. I don't know if you've seen it. So. I've never seen it, actually. I want I to. See, I've seen it. Yeah, I want to. Anyway, this week we're going to be discussing acromegaly. So obviously we're sticking with our endocrine theme here. So what acromegaly is, though, it's an endocrine disease, again. And it's going to lead to elevated production and secretion of growth hormone. So it's pretty specific. And I will say, like, I I've def I always learn so much when I do these notes, but like <laughs> canine acromegaly is just a little different than feline acromegaly. And so Yeah. Um it's it is interesting that it's different. It is it, it's kind of cool. It does interest me that it's different. We're actually going to discuss more of the cat type of acromegaly just because it's more common. It's more likely what you're going to be seeing if dealing, you're going to dealing see this. With, yeah. <laughs> but 
So like I said, I'll, I'll touch on the dog stuff and give you like the general, like how it's different versus a feline. But when we're going to discuss the, the true like mechanisms of the disease, picture cats, um, <laughs> that's my disclaimer. Picture cats. <laughs> but what growth hormone is, right? We got to start with the basics. So growth hormone in particular, this is going to be a polypeptide hormone. And this actually is a hormone that is going to or- originate from the somatotropic cells in the anterior lobe of the pituitary gland so this is a pituitary disorder and oftentimes honestly because of the the somatotropic cells being involved this can have a different name so it also can be called hypersomatotropism um but for the sake of again saving my brain and my mouth uh we're gonna call it acromegaly (laughs) yeah Um, and so there's several different factors involved when it comes to actually like what growth hormone do does and so the liver itself contains several different receptors that growth hormones are going to you know stimulate right that's the job in the liver and then once stimulated then that's going to then stimulate the production of somatomedin C, also called IGF-1. Yeah. And then so... This is some doctor stuff right here. This is why there's very also like very little details (laughs) additional added onto this. And then there's two very, very (laughs) important hormones that are involved with like growth hormone regulation. And that's going to be our growth hormone releasing hormone. So GHRH and somatostatin. And those two things are going to stimulate and inhibit respectively, right? It's a feedback loop. It's like every endocrine disorder ever. Those specific hormones are very important in regulating that feedback loop. And and this is an easy one to remember because hormone mm-hmm. releasing, stimulating, statin means to stop or inhibit. So you can imagine hormone releasing, growth hormone releasing hormone is the hormone that makes things happen. The somatostatin is the one that makes it stop. Lovely feedback loop. Like why didn't they come up with another hormone though for the releasing, like another name for the releasing hormone? I mean, why can't they just keep it like hormone releasing hormone? Like, I guess, yeah. Cool. Like, this is true. Make it this simple. <laughs> like, thank you, thank you for making it simple instead of being like the Brandenburg hormone yeah. of doom. Or you, know, you assume your hormone is going to be the yeah, hormone that's, of doom. That's what it's <laughs> and right. then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just there's other uh, other ingredients that can play here as well. So things like glucocorticoids, uh, insulin, progesterone, thyroid hormones, all those different hormones and substances, uh, they all participate in just regulating growth hormone and and things like that. And then growth. And which is crazy because if you think about some of the clinical signs of some of these dogs and cats that you might see in clinic it makes sense if you remember glucocorticoids progesterone insulin and thyroid interesting i've seen an acromegaly cat i know you seem very very excited (laughs) and then growth hormone (laughs) growth hormone as well can actually be broken (laughs) down even like into two different groups right catabolic versus anabolic right and so the catabolic activity that's going to be the part of the growth hormone that's going to 
increase insulin resistance. Keep that in mind. That's that's hmm. that needs to stick. That's key. Um, and then Big. the anabolic effects actually occur much more like indirectly. You're not going to see a whole like something directly related to this, but it's going to occur indirectly through IGF-1 production in the liver that we kind of talked about. And what this does is it's going to uh, make sure it's going to stimulate bone, uh, cartilage, tissue, soft tissue, um, and even cause like organomegaly. So it's going to kind of stimulate those things to like make more of what it is. <laughs> Which is also really cool when mm -hmm. you start thinking about clinical signs, because that's important too. I know. It's like all sorts of spoiler. Alerts. I know. I know. <laughs> and then, and then you throw in even sex hormones. Again, we kind of already talked about progesterone and stuff, but sex hormones can then even induce mammary tissue hyperplasia and just uh, stimulate uh, development of the gonads, which in turn will also increase growth hormone circulation. So, which, if you think about it, like that to me is like as you're growing, right? Like you have more growth hormone in your body. And as you go through puberty, that's the sex hormones and mammary tissue and gonads and all that stuff. So it makes sense mm -hmm. when you think about it that way, that it would be related to it because as you're growing, that stuff needs to be increased versus when you've stopped growing. Yeah, you don't need exactly. as much in your system. So when looking at acromegaly, it's actually pretty, it's not I guess common is probably not the right word, but it can be seen in human beings and cats. Again, dogs too, but dogs are a little different. I'll get there in a second. And so with humans and cats, it's ten, it tends to be associated with a pituitary adenoma that is functional, right? But this adenoma is in the somatotroph cells. So again, <laughs> that's that kind of like extra word of hypersomatotropism um, because it basically produces more and makes it, it makes a tumor. And then less commonly, there can also be pituitary hyperplasia. So just like an overgrowth of pituitary tissue that can lead to this. But more often than not, it's going to be this adenoma on the pituitary gland. Um, and those tumors do tend to grow slowly. So they actually can be present for a really long time before pets will even start showing clinical signs. So it's one of those wonders that like if the pet's starting to show clinical signs like it's probably a decent sized tumor <laughs> like um yeah as i said acromegaly is definitely more frequently seen in cats with diabetes in particular than it is in dogs but if it's going to occur in dogs it's most it's mostly going to affect those older intact female dogs and usually results from progesterone stimulating uh or stimulation of that growth hormone and so again, this could be just growth hormone that was produced maybe in the mammary tissue. Um, but it, it just, it's different. Typically with our dogs with acromegaly, it's going to be more related to like these sex hormones and the growth hormones. And so acromegaly is rarely caused in dogs by this pituitary neoplasia. And usually the great thing about seeing it in dogs is mm. that usually if you just spay the female dog, that can actually be curative of acromegaly for that pet. But if wow. they develop concurrent diabetes, usually that part is permanent, um, depending on the ability of the pancreas to like right. what's remaining left of those, those healthy cells. So 
interesting that right. it actually can be corrected in dogs and versus in cats. Um, in well, in a in a you... in a different way. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna like, say in just like was, spaying them kind of way. Yeah, spaying. Yeah, I mean, which is very, very easy to do. Way, is what I'm trying <laughs> to say. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, I was like, but yeah. But. <laughs> um. So again, kind of going back to the cats here. So if it's going to affect cats, it's usually going to affect male cats and middle aged to older. And there isn't, there hasn't been any predisposition noted in any certain breeds. So that's always great. Um. But oftentimes the the initial clinical signs that we're going to see in cats are going to be signs of diabetes mellitus. And so we're going to see things like PUPD, mm -hmm. polyphasia. Those are going to be the most common signs that we're going to see at the like kind of the, the initial presentation because otherwise they really do feel fine. The difference between like standard diabetes mellitus and like acromegaly diabetes mellitus is that these pets, these cats are actually going to gain weight uh, and like lean body mass weight. Like they're going to gain weight even with uncontrolled diabetes um, versus mm -hmm. obviously our standard diabetes mellitus is going to generally make cats lose weight. Um, so definitely keep that on the differential list if you have a diabetic <laughs> that's gaining weight. <laughs> and then of course too, we can start seeing signs of like organomegaly. So we're going to see enlargement of the renal organs of the liver and enlargement of those endocrine organs can also be seen or palpated at least. Um, spoiler alert, we're going to do some imaging. <laughs> like, everything about this episode is like spoiling to the end. <laughs> yeah. I, so this next thing is super cool because the cat that I had, she was a girl, she was diabetic and we were like, she is not mm. responding like normal. Like she had crazy insulin resistance, which is also something that you'll see with these cats. Um, but the classic thing with cats is you see an enlargement of extremities. So body size, jaw, tongue, forehead. So if, when I, <clears throat> when you look at these cats and it's crazy because I went to a lecture at ACIM and mm -hmm. they showed like before and after pictures. So there were these cats that were, you know, they took a picture of their face when they were like two, three, four years old, and then showed them like after, and you could see like their facial structures just totally changed mm -hmm. um, because of the growth hormone. Like you think of like, you know, like kids, right. They're going through puberty, like, especially with boys, like that's kind of what we think of is their, their facial structure changes because of the growth hormones. And that's what you see with these cats, which is a trip. Um, and, and it's, and it's subtle cause it, you know, is over a prolonged period of time, but yeah. it's, it's and you can even see, um, yeah. and you can see increased which muscle makes mass, sense, which know, is still, crazy. Like, um, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, all that like their sense. paws, their chin, their skull, <laughs> all of that's going to get a little bit bigger. Sometimes we can even detect like a strider just because of like increased soft tissue um, around like that epiglottis in that area. So ah. sometimes you'll hear more like just breathing noises, but yeah, um, just sounds. again, due to wow. increased <laughs> soft tissue in, in those areas. 
Um, right. When things start progressing a little bit further, then we can even start seeing some cardiovascular signs. So we can see cardiomegaly, right? Like everything's going to get bigger. Just assume everything has megaly at the end of it. Um, <laughs> and then. Yep. This is like, if you picture yeah. Andre the giant, right? Yeah. That, this is what he and, had. So he just kept growing because the growth hormone, instead of turning off after puberty, yeah. just And so going. you can even hear systolic murmurs, congestive heart failure can actually develop, but pretty late mm. in the disease course, usually azotemia also develops pretty mm. late in the, the course of the disease as well. And that azotemia occurs in about 50% of acromegaly cats. So it is unfortunate um, because these pets too can have increased blood pressure and stuff. So again, all of it makes sense, right? Like <laughs> the one thing that is right. a little bit. Yeah. It it's really a disease is. that it's actually makes sense. Like every progression <laughs> of the disease, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like that makes sense. Um, cats, yeah. however, um, unlike yeah. humans, humans can have some neurologic components to acromegaly. Cats don't seem to really show those types of neurologic signs that humans do. So that's always good. So. You know, like if you're going to have it, at least you don't get the neurologic Yay. signs. Um, but as Yvonne also said, too, one of the big things is that these pets are going to have impaired glucose tolerance and increased insulin resistance. Um, so like I said, diabetes is often seen. <laughs> yeah. Super common. So yeah. Differential diagnosis, though, <clears throat> it's going to vary. Like, I mean, obviously, like it's like diabetes or acromegaly like both of them should be on the list right and then like anytime you have a diabetic cat though acromegaly mm -hmm. really should be considered as well especially once you start seeing that maybe these cats are showing signs of insulin resistance as well i was gonna say if you've got a difficult to control diabetic cat this would this definitely should be on the differential list um I wouldn't say you'd have to put this yeah. as a differential for every cat because diabetes is so common for cats. But if you've got somebody who's insulin resistant, this could definitely be one of those like, hmm, let's see. Do you tick all the boxes kind of yeah, thing? Exactly. So. Um, <clears throat> so diagnostics are going to be they, they can kind of vary here. Like, obviously we're going to do like the standard workup, right? We're going to have a chem CBC T4 UA, like all that's normal. <laughs> right. right. But we also do want to measure insulin levels as well, because we're going to see increased serum insulin concentrations. And, um, the great thing though, about this disease though, is that despite the fact that these cats do often have severe, like significant resistance to insulin and they have excessive hyperglycemia, they oftentimes don't actually become ketotic, which is nice. <laughs> so ketosis is actually pretty rare in these guys. Right. Because <laughs> their body is able to utilize yeah. their stores appropriately because of growth hormone yep. issues. And we're going to see crazy. kind of the, yeah. the standard things that we can see in diabetes alone. So we're going to see mild increases in liver enzymes. We can see some hypercholesterolemia, um, hyperphosphatemia. Sometimes we can see, we can see blood work with or without azotemia, depending on like where we're at the disease state. Right. Like, um, <clears throat> But sometimes like azotemia is just kind of like incidentally found. You're like, oh no, <laughs> like it's there. Generally, right. 
we're again, we're going to do UA and those are going to be pretty boring, um, except for maybe some persistent proteinuria. Um, but again, we're going to be kind of focusing on the diabetes mellitus of like a lot of this, because like, that's what you're going to kind of base like your, your next steps and like your next treatment plan around is if like the response to diabetes therapy. <laughs> yeah. And this is, I mean, this is really interesting. Um, I, I did not realize this, but it says in a recent study, right? Acromegaly is the most common underlying cause of non-insulin dependent diabetes in about 25% of cats um, and should be suspected if your kind of standard therapy, so your high protein, low carb diet, your insulin, if you've done all that um, and within four months of like starting therapy, if they're not responding, that's when you really should be suspecting acromegaly, which is kind of crazy because I don't, I don't think that's something that pops up on the radar for a lot of people. It's like, yeah, is, it really is. is because it's like, <laughs> I, I think it's one of those diseases that is more common than we think, you know? Yeah. Just based yeah. off of like, yeah. Yeah. And it sucks because like there is, so yeah. there used to be, an assay for growth hormone factor, but it's no longer because that was a, like kind of a, a definitive way to diagnose um, acromegaly. And now, and now it's gone. So, right. Yeah. Um, so really the only way to know a hundred percent to well, suspect strongly, <laughs> um, the only way to really make a definitive diagnosis basically is, um, to do a CT, especially of the, the pituitary in the brain, um, to see, you know, do we have growth in that area? Um, and then just making sure you're excluding all the other reasons for insulin resistance and stuff like that. But it should be you know, like, if yeah. you're seeing the clinical signs <laughs> and the lab abnormalities, you know, a lot of people don't do the CT, but that is, that is gold standard to do the CT to just yeah. See what's yeah. Going and some on of there, those so. other diseases that can lead to it's like crazy. insulin resistance are, are going to be things like Cushing's disease and hyper hyperthyroidism and stuff like that. So definitely right. just kind of keep those in the, the back of your brain too. Your standard, your, your, your standard yeah, exactly. uh, endocrine disorder. Do you want to talk about <laughs> treatment then since you've seen it? Yeah, it's kind of, it's so it's, it's really interesting to do, to talk about the treatment. So you can do, um, there is medical treatment. It's not great, but there is medical treatment. There's radiation therapy or there's hy hypophysectomy. <laughs> so taking out <laughs> of things. Um, so basically kind of one of the things that they have, I, cause I, at the time I was super interested because we really suspected one of the cats that, um, we were dealing with who was diabetic, but insulin resistance and before and after pictures were dramatically different. Her name was Ash. I loved her. She was such a sweet cat. Um, and so when I was at ACBIM, I went to the, the acromegaly talks and they were talking about, um, doing the CT and then the radiation therapy mm -hmm. to shrink the tumors. Um, at the time, I think they were only doing it in Europe. Um, but 
you know, it that's it's been it's been a few years <laughs> since I looked into this, but it was super interesting. Um, there is a novel somatostatin analog pasiriotide. I have it no looks idea right. that's how you say it, but I'm gonna say that's how you say it. <laughs> um, that's been successful in treating these acromegaly um, cats. Um, but it does, you know, require further study. And of course, because it's a novel disease or excuse me, a novel treatment, it's expensive. Um, so until, you know, it, well, that, and yeah. it's such a rare disease, like, you know, um, the, the radiation therapy, um, has a, the greatest chance of success, um, with low rates of morbidity, mortality, which is great. Um, the, the problem is, is it's a slow rate of tumor shrinkage. Um, and then you also get the potential for hypopituitarism, um, cranial optic nerve damage. Anytime you're talking about radiation, um, and just other radiation injury to, to parts of the brain. Right. I mean, it's, it's concentrated when you do radiation therapy, you know, it's, it's pretty precise, but you know, we're still we're still doing yeah. some radiating. So, um, you know, there's, um, hypophysectomy, which that was one thing that they talked about at ACBM mm -hmm. was actually doing surgery and cutting out parts, <laughs> which is, <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, Oh, you're going to do brain surgery. Okay. <laughs> um and then the problem with that is like it really is a rapid drop in hormone levels like think of like if you do like a parathyroidectomy right it's a rapid drop um and it does mean that the clinical signs that we see go like kind of go into remission but um you could have these like weird side effects of transient diabetes insipidus or something like that um, with it because right the body likes homeostasis and feedback loops and stuff like that and if you go from like an overabundance of growth hormone to like none or a way low amount the body doesn't have time to um adjust and make up for it so um you know that's that's where you kind of get into trouble um unfortunately the cat i saw um because you know, we, we didn't know kind of what was going on. She never, she was never mm -hmm. officially diagnosed with acromegaly. Um, by the time we saw her, like, you know, she was already pretty late stage disease. Um, and she ended up going into renal failure and like thinking about it, like it, that was probably because yeah. of her acromegaly, um, which is a bummer. Cause she was, she was a really awesome cat and like her owner's at the time her owners worked for Google. <laughs> and so they were like, we'll do whatever. And, um, but you know, it was hard because there weren't a lot of places around that, that did the treatments yet. Like I think radiation yeah. therapy was still super new. Like they were just talking yeah. about it at ACM. Oftentimes so though, like, like realistically, these option. pets are mostly just going to be treated like with insulin, like heavy doses of insulin. Right usually divided into multiple daily doses, not just yeah. like the one or two. Um, if they already have cardiac mm -hmm. disease then yeah. sometimes mild cardiac disease is going to be managed with just vasodilators and diuretics and stuff as well. Um, 
like I think like the the way it was worded about prognosis was like the initial prognosis isn't so bad. <laughs> like it's just like the long term prognosis is that like it's relatively poor because most of these cats are going to die of either either congestive heart failure or chronic renal failure or like further signs of that pituitary mass like enlarging um which is funny because yeah and compressing so like the long-term prognosis is pretty poor like when once you start adding in like those other disorders that occur from it but well and i and i think i think one of the biggest reasons for that though is just because yeah exactly aren't getting diagnosed right and so I think there's more acromegaly cats um, that mm-hmm. are just undiagnosed. And then people are like, oh, they went into a kidney failure. Or, oh, they went into heart failure. And it's like, you know, it would be interesting, not that we could do it, but like, could you do retrospective? Like, what if we did do um, necropsies on these cats and like found that there's a bunch of tumors in these cats and that's why they're getting all these concurrent diseases. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, especially when they said 25% of these like insulin resistant cats yeah. have acromegaly. I know for a fact that. Yeah, absolutely. The, diagnosed. Yeah. Like, and I would have I've seen, seen one. But I think the two <laughs> is like, you have to think of all those clients who do have those like signs of insulin resistance, right? Like it's, it starts to get expensive real quick and like it's excessive it like hinders the quality of life for the client as well as the pet too right and so it's like I do think more often than not those cats might or probably do have acromegaly but before we even get to the chance to try and diagnose that or chase that lead yeah we're already euthanizing these pets because like I mean and not wrongfully so the quality of life would be horrible at that point I mean not horrible but like not the greatest yeah yeah like that's why like it it's a bummer that the growth hormone assay is is no longer an option because that is that's a pretty non-invasive way to just even just screen for it right and just be like you know oh i have a a insulin resistant cat let's do this lab work versus let's do a ct scan you know, <laughs> I don't know many cat owners that are just like, yeah, I'll do a CT scan for my cat. It's not regulated. It's just not going to happen, yep. which is a bummer. But yeah, Ac- acromegaly is a very really interesting is. disease. Um, and I think we say this a lot on this show. I wonder how many have this oh, that just sure. don't get diagnosed. For sure. You should let us know if you've ever worked with an acromegaly dog or cat, um, especially if you've done like radiation therapy or surgery. Um, yeah, but let us know if you've, you've dealt with it. Cause I think it'd be cool. Like if you, it, like, especially before and after pictures, like it, I really, I don't know if I still have those pictures because mom, we talked about it. Cause we really suspected acromegaly in this cat. Um, and she gave us pictures and like, we were, it was impressive. The look of when she was a younger cat I always versus when that we were seeing her, like, morph like her facial structure. <laughs> like, that's... 
No, it's almost like they morph into like an intact male cat. Yeah. Like they get that facial structure and they get like that bony and like muscly look to them. And they're female cats. And you're just like, wait a second, you're not supposed to look like that. Um, so that's I mean, it's it's interesting yeah. when you look at it. So it's an interesting yeah. disease. I got really excited. I'm gonna say I'm sick, and that's okay. why I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, guys, that's all we got on Acromegaly this week. I hope you learned something. I did. I like this disease. It's cool. I, I think it's cool and I like it because it's it's so easy to like it's follow so like why things are happening. Yeah, like if you understand anatomy and physiology and like how that yeah. works, you're just like, well, but now I'll see, it's like, you know, everybody's gonna listen. To <laughs> that this makes sense. Look at every like diabetic cat that they have come in and be like, I wonder. It's like oh yeah for sure I did that for years after Ash I was yeah. like do you have well, you do it like after you go to and conferences like, and stuff not. and you learn about something new you're, you're like you have yeah. it <laughs> yeah anyway. oh my god all right, right? guys oh I hope god, everybody so has a wonderful week <laughs> thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning and we will be chatting with you guys a lot the next month or so so yeah in October. <laughs> All right, guys, have a wonderful week. Keep getting your learned on. And we'll talk to you at some point in the crazy next few weeks that we've got going on that we've done to ourselves. All right, bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.